Take your Bibles, please, and open them to the book of Mark, chapter 6, verse 30 through 44. And there you will find our text for study tonight. Uh, My message is entitled, Demonstrating God's Love. A few years ago, I was driving through one of these small South Georgia towns, and I came by a church, and I noticed on the marquee these words. Welcome to the church that doesn't care. Well, when I saw that, I realized that my eyesight is not what it used to be. So when I got down the road and I saw a place I could turn around, I actually went around, went, turned around, made a U-turn, came back to the church, looked at the marquee again, and sure enough, in big, bold, black letters were these words, Welcome to the church that doesn't care. Now, I thought to myself, well, I have known about churches that acted like they didn't care. But I'd never heard of a church that actually admitted it. Thankfully, I later discovered that the church was using that slogan as a promotional for some reason. By nature, churches ought to be characterized by their love. The love that Christ has shown to us should come shining through to others. We should be people who love God and love others. The Bible tells us that they will know that we're Christians by our love. Love is the driving passion for the believers. The love for God and the love for others. For any church to claim to follow Jesus but fail to show love is a contradiction. A careful look at Christ's ministry reveals that he went from place to place showing love to people. I want us to look at one of these examples in the scripture I've already identified. The passage that we're going to be studying, Mark chapter 6 beginning with verse 30. And here we see that Jesus revealed his love for people through his mission and his ministry. I submit to you that our church must love people the way Jesus did. And I'm thankful that First Baptist is a loving church. It's a welcoming church. It's a church that's very concerned about the community around us. We're concerned about our world. And I'm delighted in that. And we need to stoke the fires of love even more. Become more passionate, more loving than ever. Because we have a large community to reach. An even bigger world. And we have to be driven by love if we're going to make a difference in this lost and dying world. Let's begin to look tonight, first of all, at how we demonstrate God's love through missions. Now, I told you to turn to Mark chapter 6, and I do want you to stay there, but I do want to quote to you a passage that you're very familiar with as we begin to look at this sermon tonight, and that is the purpose for missions. You can find it in various places in the Scripture not the least of which is John chapter 3, verse 16, a passage you're quite familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now, we can all quote that verse, but there's a verse that follows that, verse 17, that says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. We live in a day of grace where God is expressing his love to us. We are already condemned because we've condemned ourselves. We're all sinners. 
So the purpose for Jesus coming the first time was not to pour out his judgment. That's coming for those who reject him. But he came to demonstrate his love. And the greatest demonstration of all was at the cross. Through the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. And the powerful resurrection that he experienced following. We have salvation available to us. That's the gospel message. Love was an important motivation behind that. But love alone cannot save. We're not saved by the love of God. We're saved by the grace of God through faith in Christ Jesus. It was love that motivated Christ to go to the cross. But here in John chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. We see that Jesus was on mission. Did you know that God throughout the scriptures reveals that he is a God that is sending people? We read early on, right after the fall, in the book of Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, or I should say verse 15, the, what we call the, the first messianic prophecy where God said he was sending a redeemer. And of course, we know that that is, was Christ. It's a reference to the Lord Jesus. And then all through the pages of Scripture, for example, Noah. God sent him to preach righteousness to a very ungodly world. And he did it with a great visual aid, the boat, this ark. We have another example, Abraham. Abram was called from the earth of the Chaldees to leave his family and his surroundings. To go to land that God would show to him. It was the land of promise. And God gave him a promise that he would make from him a great and mighty nation that would be so large that they could not even be counted, just like the sands of the sea. And he did. But God sent him. We have prophet after prophet. Like for example Isaiah. Jeremiah. Many prophets. Speaking of God. And who he was. And revealing to the people his standard. We know of course. In the New Testament. We come to Jesus Christ. Who is sent as I've already read. By the father. God sent him on mission to redeem the world. And what did Jesus do at age 30. He began his ministry. And he gathered around him. Twelve men, apostles. He poured his life into them, discipling them, preparing them to go out. And he, he would send them out. And then later he sent 70 out. And now he's sending us out as missionaries. We're on mission for God. The purpose for missions is to reach the world for Christ. To share the gospel of the Lord Jesus. It's imperative that we do this. Now notice if you would, going back to our original passage in Mark's gospel chapter 6, verse 30, we see the participants in missions. Who are the people who are to participate? Well, I've already given you a clue. Verse 30 says, the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that they had done and taught. If you'll notice over earlier in this chapter, we find that Jesus sent out the twelve, as I mentioned just a moment ago, what was he doing? He was training them. He would, he would disciple them. He would teach them and he would send them out. They would come back and report what they experienced. He was discipling them. You know that our mission as a church is to love God, love others, and make disciples. That's our mission. Our vision as a church is to demonstrate God's love by making disciples in Coffee County and beyond. 
coming up out of our mission is to take the good news message to our community and around the world. That's our mission. And we get that from the pages of Scripture. We are participants. Just as God gathered around him apostles, Jesus taught them and sent them out. He's sending us out. Remember Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and following. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where we have the Great Commission. We are on mission. We are missionaries. Now, here's the problem. We don't see ourselves as missionaries. When I use the term missionary, what you think of is what most Christians think of, and that is that we give money into the offering plate, and that money goes to support people who have a special call to be missionaries. And in fact, they are missionaries. But they're not the only missionaries because God is calling us all to be missionaries. Some of the missionaries God is calling will go to foreign places. But some will stay here. Bearing the good news message of Christ. So we all need to see ourselves as missionaries. You are a missionary where you work. You're a missionary where you go to school. You're a missionary in your community. Where you live. Even in your home. You're a missionary. I'm a missionary. Now when our missionaries go out, they they establish a foundation. It's called a platform. And they use that platform as a means to get into a country. For example, I know numerous missionary families on the field. One, for example, I won't tell you who he is or where he serves because it's a dangerous place. But uh, his role is mountain climbing. He uh, takes groups up mountains. That's his platform. But the reason he is there in that location on foreign soil is to, is to establish a relationship with the people in that area and to sh- share the gospel with people. And, and the platform helps to support him and his family along with cooperative program giving, but also to connect with the locals. I know another family in a very dangerous part of the world and their platform is raising goats. They raise goats, have a goat farm. And they use that as their platform to connect with the locals, to help support their ministry, and to take the gospel. What is our platform? You see, our mentality as Americans is, okay, I have my job here, and here's my goal. I'm going to save all this money up for retirement. I'm going to build a nice house. I'm going to have a second home. I'm going to have a vacation place. We're going to vacations. We're going to buy nice clothes. We're going to go uh, enjoy life. We're going to spend this and buy new clothes. And, and, and we're not even thinking of many times how God is using us to establish a platform to support our family's needs to give through our local church, and to share the gospel, connecting with people locally. We're not thinking missionally. Because we're thinking missionaries serve somewhere over there that that we've never been. But God is calling us to be missionaries. We are participants. That's why we're here, is to carry the good news message to the world. Now let's look at the price for missions. We see in verse 31, the Bible says, let's read verse 30 again. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him all that 
they had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. For there were many people coming and going and they did not even have time to eat. They went away in the boat to a secluded place by themselves. They are weary. The reason is because they have been pouring themselves out into other people. Doing missions has a price. Not just a financial price. There is a financial price. But there's an emotional price. There's a physical price. We have to be willing to pay the price if we're going to reach the people in this area. Churches stop reaching people when the price gets too high. What are we willing to pay to reach our community for Christ? What are we willing to do to impact the world with the gospel? We can't co-op this. We, We can't delegate it. Because it's assigned to us and it's our responsibility to carry it out. There's a price to be paid. Also notice the potential for missions. Verse 33. The people saw them going and many recognized them and ran there together on foot from all the cities and got there ahead of them. So the people there at the Sea of Galilee... And uh, as the disciples go in this boat to a secluded place, the people hear about where they're going and they just simply run around the lake, get to the other side and meet them. Because they're hungry, they're starving, they're in need. There's tremendous potential here. This reveals potential. You know, we are facing this pandemic and sometimes when the church think, okay, I can't wait that this is over so we can begin ministry again. Now, I'm thankful that First Baptist has been involved in ministry throughout this ordeal in connecting with people in our community. For example, most recently, our food bank that we helped to get started. We've had many of you serving in that and giving. And I think it's well over a 1,000 families have been, have been served through that ministry. Just started, just a, a couple of months old now. And we're thankful for that. And uh, we need to continue to do ministries like that. And we have other things in store as well. And, and uh, that's just one example. There are many I could cite. But I'm, I'm thankful for these, uh, these ministry opportunities where we're, we're trying to connect with people to do, to do mission work. Because there's a great need. We are uncovering more and more people out there. Literally tens of thousands of people who have no connection with the local church. But during this pandemic, their needs are great. I want you to understand to be reminded that when people are facing something like we are in our nation where there's upheaval and uncertainty and dangers and physical threats, people are afraid. They're open to talk about spiritual things. I wonder, will the church be available to speak with them, to share with them the good news of the gospel? There are people who are more open today to the gospel 
than at any time in recent memory. Now, that does not mean everybody's going to be excited about the gospel. There are some who are antagonistic toward people of faith, and it's a growing antagonism. For example, I read on Twitter uh, just a few hours ago of a missionary who made a a simple statement on Twitter, which is a, a social media platform, if you're not familiar with it, where people make basic statements, short statements. Well, he made this short statement. Uh, He is a pastor over in a foreign country, and it's an unreached people group. A very difficult place to to minister. And he was so excited because he said, for the first time, two people have come to faith in Christ. Two people from this group, this unreached people group. And if you could read the thread of comments underneath his statement, one after the other spoke words reviling this man, saying, who are you to impose your religion onto these people in this foreign land? Who are you? What audacity do you have? How prideful of you to think you have all the answers to go and force your belief system on this people. Friend, that's the type of attitude that some people have, a growing attitude, I might say, here in America from people trying to say to us, we have no right to share the good news of Christ. Oh, friend, let me say to you, in case you run up against that uh, flawed Outlook, and that is this. Not only do we have the right, we have the responsibility. Because we are on mission. And we believe, our belief system, based upon the truth of God's word, is that God Almighty so loved the world that he sent Jesus to save us. And now he's sending us to tell others of his goodness. That's not an option for us to decide. Whether or not we're going to be involved in in missions. We are called to be missionaries. To be involved in what God has commanded us to do. So we see here the potential for missions. Notice in verse 34 we see the passion for missions. When Jesus went ashore he saw a large crowd and he felt compassion for them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. The people were scattered about, and when Jesus viewed them, his heart was deeply stirred. This is a very strong word in the Greek, the word compassion. Jesus was twisted inside. I mean, he was really disturbed at this. Uh, This was not just a sense of pity for them. It was far deeper than that. He was disturbed because they were wandering about without clear direction for their lives. And friend, that is where people are today. Your friends and neighbors and family members and mine as well looking for some type of hope. Jesus had this growing compassion in his heart toward these people. It was expressed in this passage. And I'm saying to you that as missionaries we must have passion to share the gospel with people. To take the good news of Christ to the world. Then notice the priority of missions. We're now in uh, the second part of verse 34, and Jesus began to teach them many things. Here we see Jesus' priority. He's, he's driven 
to share with them the good news. He taught these people many things. He spoke to them at their point of need. He helped them to understand their lostness and their need to have a relationship with God through himself. And their hearts and lives were impacted by his message. You know, sometimes we hear people say, Someone is on a mission. This guy's on a mission. By this, they mean that a certain person knows what he wants to accomplish and he is determined to get the job done. He's on a mission. When people think about First Baptist, they need to say that that's a group of people. That's a group of Christians on mission. Those people are serious about what they're doing. Uh, Those people are passionate to share Christ with the world. Those people are are determined to get the message out. We are a church on mission for Christ. And friend, let me tell you, it's not optional. You might think, well, I appreciate the message, Pastor. I'm going to give consideration to that. But let me tell you, it's not an option. Obedience is not an option. Not a real option. God has called us to be missionaries to this lost and dying world, and we must be faithful to that call. I know what some of you are thinking. Well, Pastor, I'm not prepared. I'm I'm not ready. I'm not talented. I don't have the ability. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the time. Remember Jesus taught the apostles? And then upon Jesus' ascension into heaven, what the apostles do? The apostles did the same thing. They made disciples that made disciples. God doesn't expect us to come into the spiritual world in the new birth ready to do everything. Oh no, he has, he has organized and prepared the church to train disciples to share the gospel in such a way that they too make disciples. This is missions. This is our calling. This is who God wants us to be. So we see how we can demonstrate God's love through missions. But notice with me also in verses 35 through 44, God wants us to demonstrate his love through ministry. Through ministry. Now there's a distinction between missions and ministry. They go hand in hand, but they're not really the same. Uh, They both should be a part of our approach and our activity as a church. But we see there is somewhat a distinction. Let's begin to investigate here in verse 35. We see a situation for ministry. When it was already quite late, his disciples came to him and said, this place is desolate and it is already quite late. Send them away so that they may go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. So the disciples see what's happening. The the people are coming to Jesus in large numbers. They've been there for quite some time. And uh, the disciples say, Jesus, it's getting late. These people don't have anything to eat. And there's, there's nowhere they can go locally here to really get anything. They need to be dismissed so that they can go and find something to eat to satisfy their hunger. Well, what Jesus does is sees this as a ministry opportunity. This is a situation ripe for ministry. 
And folks, that's how we have to begin to see our community. We have all kinds of opportunities around us that are ripe for ministry. Now, if we look at them from a first glance, we might say this is a terrible situation or or, this situation looks hopeless or how could that situation ever be changed? But God wants us to begin to see these as opportunities to impact people's lives who are struggling, people who have needs in our community. That's how Jesus saw these people scattered about with no clear direction in life. They did not understand their purpose, their lostness even. Now they have a physical need, they're hungry. So notice how the spiritual needs and the physical needs are coming together here. They need something, not just the gospel, the gospel is most urgent, certainly. But also they have physical needs that Jesus identifies and he wants to meet their physical needs. Namely, their hunger. Notice there's a sensitivity for ministry. Look at verse 37. But Jesus answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and spend 200 denarii on bread and give them something to eat? Now, this is quite interesting because Jesus himself is the bread of life. Jesus has already demonstrated his power to do great miracles. And yet they're seeing things solely on a human level. Here is God in human flesh in their midst and they can't see a solution to this dilemma. And Jesus is challenging saying to them... You go and meet this need. You make a difference in their lives. Now they have not a clue as to how this is going to happen. So they reason, well maybe Jesus, are you talking about us to go and and spend a great deal of money somewhere to buy food and bring it back for them? It puzzles them. Uh, They don't get what Jesus is trying to say to them and what he's trying to teach them. Jesus has a sensitivity to men's needs notice then we see a supply for this ministry verse 38 tells us and he said to them how many loaves do you have go look and when they found out they said five and two fish now this is a massive crowd hear me now these people number in the thousands you'll see just later on this text of 5,000 men. That's not to even count the women and children. You're talking about thousands of people. And the only source of food they have consists of five small loaves of bread and two fish. The resources are lacking, are they not? The supply does not meet the demand. What are they to do? Well, again, Jesus is going to reveal something to them that they will never forget. And that is he's going to multiply what little they had. What we need to see is when Jesus is involved, it doesn't matter how limited our resources, God will always make provision when we act in faith. He will always make provision. He supplies the need. And that's what we find here. Notice the show of ministry is verse 39 through 41. And Jesus commanded them all to sit down by groups on 
the green grass. They sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. And he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up toward heaven. Notice what he does. He blessed the food and broke the loaves and he kept giving them to the disciples to set before them. And he divided up the two fish among them all. Let's break this down. First of all, we see Jesus organizes these thousands of people into smaller groups. Don't miss the importance of that. This makes the task much more manageable to the disciples. Now it's not just trying to feed with with a little bit of food thousands of people in a large crowd that may be pushing. They're hungry. They're demanding. So Jesus organizes it in groups of hundreds and groups of 50 so that the people can be served more efficiently and more effectively. Then he takes the bread and the fish and he looks up to his father and he blesses the food. By the way, this should be an example for us. We should never put food in our mouth without giving God thanks. Never be embarrassed about saying thanks to God for what he's done for you. Let me tell you, if we, if we had to miss about a week of food, we would probably remember to be thankful next time we got some. But it's, it's come so common for us. It's so available for us. We got to the point where we're not even thankful for it anymore. God have mercy upon us. So here, Jesus thanks God. He Uh, The father, he blesses the food and then notice something very significant. Jesus does not distribute the bread directly to the people. He uses his disciples. He breaks the bread, he multiplies it, he multiplies the fish and then gives that to the disciples to go give to the people to distribute the bread. Listen to me. This is an excellent picture of our ministry organization in our church we call Sunday School. Now hear me. We have literally hundreds of members here at First Baptist. Hundreds. What's the most efficient way to minister to these people? In large groups? I'm thankful for large groups. I have the opportunity to preach the gospel and challenge you as your pastor. But God is calling us all to be involved in distributing the bread. And so what we do is help organize the people in smaller groups. And then we take the word of God and break it down where they can understand it and distribute it through teachers who are called and trained in our church to minister to the people the word of God and organize them then to take that message out into the community where there are people who are starving for the bread of life and we try to welcome them into that small group where they can be given bread friend that's the Sunday school ministry organizing asking God's blessing Using people who are trained, 
who are passionate about the work, breaking the bread down where people can consume it, and then distributing it through that organizational ministry. That's why you heard me say this morning in two years, we need to be averaging every Sunday at least 500 in Sunday school. I'm praying that before the end of 10 years, we'll have at least 1,000 every Sunday in Sunday school here at First Baptist. That will not happen easily. That will require work. That will require missionaries who are sold out for the Lord Jesus Christ who want to distribute some bread. Who want to meet a need. Who see themselves as missionaries. Under the divine call of God. Engaged in ministry. For something much larger than just making it through the week. So you can come to the weekend and have a little break. Understanding that life is far larger. That God is moving in far greater ways. Than what we can even conceive. God wants to impact Coffee County. And beyond. Through First Baptist Church. The missions. And the ministry here. So this is a show of ministry. He's demonstrating some things for us here. Then notice a satisfaction that comes from ministry. Look in verse 42. They all ate and were what? Satisfied. Whenever you sit down at the table of the Lord, you can be satisfied if you'll consume what he provides. They were satisfied. Can you imagine eating bread that has been broken in the very hands of the Lord Jesus Christ, multiplied in miraculous ways, and the breaking of the fish, and, and, and giving it out? The disciples feel a part of this. Aren't you glad that the Lord uses people to do ministry? God doesn't just shower it down upon us all at one time. He could do that, but no, He's decided to use us, to train us, to send us. To make a difference in the lives of people. You. Right where you are. No matter your age. Some say, well, Pastor, I'm a little too old for that now. Oh, no, you're not. Check your pulse. If you're still alive, God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you. He's not finished with you yet. When he's finished, he'll call you home. Some say, well, I'm, I'm just a young person. What could I do? We need some young, vibrant, excited, passionate young people to stand up for Jesus in this wicked world in which we live. To share the gospel in word and deed. And when we give the gospel to people, it will bring satisfaction to their souls. Now, I'm not under the illusion that everybody that we try to speak with will automatically come to faith in Christ and be excited about hearing the gospel. They won't be. But if we come into contact with people who are not interested in the gospel, we politely move on to someone else. I can guarantee you there are thousands who are interested in conversation about Christ. They're broken and they know it. They've tried many different measures, and it hasn't worked. They need someone to come to them lovingly sharing 
about the cross of Christ with them. And when Christ comes into our lives, he satisfies. And then notice we see a surplus in ministry, verse 43. And they picked up 12 full baskets of the broken pieces and also of the fish. There were 5,000 men who ate the loaves. There was plenty left over. Let me tell you, we serve a God who is able. Church, I said we serve a God who is able. And you don't know he's able until you get a need in your life. You may feel very satisfied right now, but let me tell you, you're coming to a point of crisis at some place in your life. And you're going to realize you don't have all the answers to the questions. In some cases, you don't know what the questions are. But I'm here to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ can meet our needs and provide a surplus running over. So God has called us as a church to be missionaries, to go out with the gospel, and to be ministers and meet the needs of people who are hurting while sharing with them the message of Christ. Now, we don't want to fall into the category where we're not concerned about any of the needs that people have other than their spiritual needs. I will confess to you that's the most urgent, the spiritual need, where they will spend an eternity. But if we neglect their physical needs and their hurts and their struggles, then we do not have a platform from which to speak into their lives. They're probably not going to listen to us. So we have to be like Jesus and have compassion right where people are in their pain and grief and struggles and loss and hardship. But neither should we err on the other side of the equation where we are only concerned about the physical needs and not concerned about the gospel. That's what we call the social gospel. As you heard me last week say that that is not biblically sound. We must be concerned about the whole individual Loving people, helping people, and sharing the life-changing message of the cross with everyone. That's what God has called us to. Tourism is a multi-billion dollar industry. Each year, millions of people travel all over the world to explore new places and experience new cultures. Tourism is not the same as missions. Tourists travel to see the world while missionaries travel to serve the world. As we are on mission to take the gospel to this planet, we are also to minister the people in the name of Jesus Christ. Have you ever gone down to the store near Valentine's Day and you're trying to find your loved one a beautiful card and you want it to read and say the words that's in your heart. Now you're not a poet and you know it but you want to say something to that loved one that really expresses your love and so you stand there and you find the right card. Friend, let me tell you something. You can find the most beautiful card that's ever been made with the Beautiful message written by a poet. You can place that card 
with a bouquet of sweet-smelling roses and give it to your beloved wife. But I want you to know that those roses and that card will be of little value absent a daily, personal, genuine expression of love. In like manner, singing a few songs that declare our love for the lost, followed by giving some money in the offering plate, ring hollow before a world that cries itself to sleep at night. People are not interested in cold cliches. Rather, they long to find someone who has a heart that is warmed by authentic love. And that is the love of Christ. We at First Baptist want to be people who demonstrate God's love in the same way Jesus did. That is through missions and ministry. Today, let us recommit to love the way Jesus loved. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let me pose a question to you. If you're a member here at First Baptist, are you willing to be used of God to make a difference in this world? Do you realize that God has called you here at First Baptist to be on mission and to minister with the lost and dying? Are you willing to pay the price to do what God has called you to do? God has great things in store for this church. But it all begins with obedience. Are you willing to make a commitment to be used here at First Baptist to that end? Father, we thank you for your love and grace. We thank you that you have called us. You've not called us to sit on the sideline and watch what's going on. You have called us to put our hands to the plow and not look back. You've called us to be missionaries. Some you are going to call to leave First Baptist and go off to a foreign land. Some you are calling to stay here. Perhaps most of us will be here. We will stay here. But our calling is no less. The demand is no less. What good will it be if we as people of faith keep the gospel to ourselves? That's not your will. Your will is that we see ourselves as missionaries and we take the gospel into the highway and hedges the marketplace of life. And we minister to people in the name of Jesus. Sharing with them Christ. Crucified and raised from the dead. Oh Lord, I pray this church would embrace that vision. Even in the midst of a pandemic. We need to prepare ourselves, our hearts, our minds. Our bodies our church family, our organizational structure to do what you've called us to do. And Father, really we can do no less. 
And I pray that you'll continue to stir the hearts of your people with this message. Great things are in store. Help us rise to the occasion. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.